This is the A to Z Podcast. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Andre Knott. A to Z Podcast.com. Facebook.com slash A to Z Podcast. At Akron Jackson, at Jerry Knott on most of your favorite social media platforms. Shouts as always to Seam, to the Honeymoon Grill, to American Fireworks. Always open at AmericanFireworks.com. If you're new here, first, thanks for coming. Um, we do get excited. We venture into mature slash immature subjects and sometimes say four-letter words. So if that's not for you, or if you're in a work environment, or if there are kids around, put on your earbuds or come back and listen to A to Z at another time. Dre, um, the Browns are four and one. They're going to play the four and zero Steelers. Like you can nitpick, and we will. Um, you can, <laughs> you know, you can talk about how things are weird and how things are strange, and um, you know, you can worry about this game certainly, but just from sitting. And observing, especially if you've done it for a long time, which I know most people listening have, like you should really just first and foremost be enjoying this. Yeah, I think that, that's a great way of putting it. I mean, at this point in time, we will nick it because that's what you do. But at the same time, we'll praise. And I think that's something that for a lot of Cleveland Browns fans, um, it's a difficult task to have, right? Because we're so used to by the time the calendar flips and Halloween is here, looking at, you know, college football, complaining about the coach, figuring out who the next coach is going to be, who the next first-round pick is going to be. And right now, um, you know, they did something against the Colts, and the Colts have their faults, and they have their ills, and they may look back at that game uh, two months from now and, and kind of punch themselves in the side of the head as well. But the Browns did what good teams do. They, they won at home. They, they didn't – it wasn't perfect. Um, they got a lead. They took advantage of their situation. Uh, yes. And then they held on. And, you know, and that's, you know, I mean, we hate to simplify it, but they did what a team at home is supposed to do against a team that's very much, pretty much, pretty even with them. Which right. Is, I mean, I would think they're pretty even. I would say the Browns may be better, though, when I look at the Rockets. Well, the, the Browns are certainly better in some areas. Offensively, they're way better, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Look, this is not um, the, the leather helmet era of football. Like, you're not going to win specifically before December 1st, many 14, 13 games. So if you play smart football and let the other team mess up first, like you increase your chances of winning and the Browns have increased their chances exponentially by winning the turnover battle the way they have. And that's been a big part of it. Right. So the argument is, is it sustainable, whatever, but like when Phil rivers and Frank Reich want to do that, you win the game and they, they went and did it for sure. So, um, Two quick things here. Yes. So if you've been listening, um, you know, thank you. But one thing we've always tried to do in talking about high level sports is say that from where we sit behind the mics, right? The truth is in the middle. And I think the good organizations keep that in mind when deciding which noise to listen to and which highs to ride and all of that. So again, um, you know, the Browns lost 38 six in week one to team that's one of the AFC's best. And I don't think that they're ready to play with the big boys. They don't have to be right now. Um, You know, a great showing this weekend would obviously further things along. But they're really good in several areas. They have more good players than they've had at any time in 13 years, and they have some great ones too. There's been some great performances. And, like, considering where they've been and that they're operating – with less ego and more brains, like you can ride this thing a long way eventually, right? Yeah, and a year like this year, I mean, you, you take what you got and you run with it. You're lucky you're playing the NFC East. 
Um, as you, you played the Colts maybe at the right time. Uh, you know, you take advantage of it. You played Washington at the right time. Uh, you played Dallas have probably not at the right time after the Dak injury. But you took advantage of it. You've taken advantage of everything. And, and I'm glad you brought up the, the turnover thing because it's one of those elements of football that we can't count on every week, but it says something about a team that can get them every week. Reminds me a little bit of 2007. It used to be how, it's how Marvin Lewis cut his job in Cincinnati for over a decade, right? I remember when Marvin Lewis and the Bengals were really rolling, and Baltimore has been like this for a long time too. But when they had Ocho Cinco and they had, you know, and they had Carson Palmer quarterback, that was the talk. But what the Cincinnati Bengals did, and I remember they put it in their notes every single week. And this is from like 05, probably they're about 2010, 2011. They won a turnover battle. That was like Marvin Lewis's thing is that they forced more turnovers, didn't turn over the ball more. That kept them competitively at 500 almost year in and year yes. out. And then you kind of let the chips fall. And, 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 the, and, and I know the Browns defense, and it's so easy for us to, you know, to talk about Zendejo, who I refuse to talk about. He's out there because they got nobody else to play. But at some point in time, they're going to have to play other guys. Um, there's linebackers that probably aren't everyday players. Uh, even the defensive line has been rotated. You know what? You got something from Olivier last week. And Garrett right now, because Garrett plays the position he plays and he gets so much attention, he's like two players. Hell, he's like three players at times. You know that he's getting pressure on the quarterback. And let's be honest, you scored over 30 points. But to me, Zach, you won the game on the safety that was forced. Terrible play by Phillip Rivers. He should have just left everything. And we have to talk about this by the end. Joe Pisnaski, is that what his name is on the athletic? Joe Pikansky. He wrote a yeah. great story. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. P- Pisnaski. No, no, no. I know a Joe Pikansky. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pisnaski. <laughs> Whatever. Time out. <laughs> but I want to talk about Philip Rivers in Hall of Fame before the end of this podcast. We have to do it. But what I would say is Miles Garrett is playing like three players. Your defense isn't that great, but if he's constantly getting pressure and constantly getting double teamed, constantly getting shipped, constantly getting triple teamed, and can stay healthy, he is forcing turnovers in his own way. Like I said, the game-winning play is the safety where Phillip Rivers basically right. pulled the Zach, the Zach Jackson in seventh grade playing football, and he realized he was going to be a writer. Good play. No, that's right. He moves a lot like I always moved on the football field, and that's not good. That's, <laughs> that's not good. Um, so Jerry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a step further, though, from a week, though. Their defense, if they can continually get pressure from that guy who's on his way to being the MVP of the of defensive MVP – they're going to continue turning the ball over, yeah, and no doubt, continue leading them to scoring points. No doubt. All right, um, Miles has been the MVP, right? Um, another MVP candidate, most valuable person, has been Kevin Stefanski. Uh, there's no doubt about mm-hmm. it. Um, and let's be honest: in, in every conversation we've had for nine months now, we've said if this team can just cut down on the penalties and get in, in and out of the huddle, they got a chance to win a couple more. That kind of looks like, makes us look like we knew what we were talking about. Right. Right. Um, right. When we get on this show, we, we, we'd like to think we're always right. And when we're not, we, we still have to talk like we're always right. That's just how it goes. <laughs> but Kevin Stefanski in a way has tested an A to Z theorem. And it's not that the Browns don't have good players. Because they certainly do have good players. And they have more, as you've touched upon, they have way more good players on the offensive side of the ball than on the defensive side. But we've always said Jimmy's and Joe's over X's and O's. But he's freaking (laughs) killing with the X's and O's, isn't he? Yeah, he's, um, you know, I I make this joke when I did the uh, red zone last Thursday, and I'll probably do it again this Thursday. um, And I'll probably need to use you on this week's. Um, What he has done. And this isn't a hit towards the quarterback in any shape, way, or form. 
Well, you're right. He's killing our theorem of, of, of X's and O's because he is setting up. And in some ways, this is the beauty of having great coaching. And, and most teams, we've always said, most teams for the 53-man roster, most teams are pretty much even 42 out of 42 out of 42 players, right? And then you got like nine just difference makers if you're good. You know, and then, and then the rest of the league kind of fits in. What he's doing is phenomenal because he has taken the talent that he has and he's making his talent work for the best and doing what best works for them and not exposing them to things that they cannot do. You know, and, I, and the defense plays in that. I know he's not the defensive coordinator, but I like how they play defense for the most part, knowing what they're what they lack at, right? You know, like I, mean, I made the joke on Twitter, like you know, Greg with two G's um, and, and gets a new job offer every week. He was playing his safeties, you know, three counties away. Now all of a sudden, we're playing our counties with the front seven. We're playing our safeties with the front seven. Now, does yeah. it always work? No, they give up plays over their head. But I understand what they're doing. Rather than letting the quarterback, especially like Philip Rivers last week, rather than letting him, you know, have all day long, they put the pressure in the mind of the quarterback up. They've got Miles Garrett. They've got the safeties eight eight yards off the ball. I got to get the ball out quick, right? That's even if you play Madden, that would be the first thought that you have is that they got all these guys up in the box. It's a passing down. I got to get the ball out. Now it's going to haunt you and hurt you sometimes when you don't get to the quarterback and when you have safeties like they have. But I thought they, you know, I thought they made some plays late in the game because of the pre-snap look. Now I'm just talking defense. Offensively, I mean, this guy right now, he's. He, I wouldn't want to play poker against him. The first quarter setup, the Bill Walsh look, is what I would always like to say. The first 20 scripted, the first 15 scripted. We know every team does it. Freddie scripted them, didn't tell anybody that he would lose them, and Dairy Queen and write down something on a napkin. <laughs> With Stefanski, I love that he almost knew last week. Bill, I don't want to say at halftime, but the guys at halftime on TV were great because it was like they, they basically said, and I don't know which one, so I don't want to be wrong, but they basically said it was like Kevin Stefanski knew. Without Nick Chubb going against that run defense, by the way, DeForest Buckner was a beast, by the way. That was a great move by the Colts getting him in the offseason. He was unblockable. Um, it was almost like the Browns knew that the Colts were going to give them problems against the run, right? So they had the play action stuff ready. They had plays. They had the – like, I I mean, it's, it's four games, five games. I got to take a deep breath. I was fighting you last week about playoffs. I'm still willing to fight that. But right now, Kevin Stefanski, if he's not in the top three for coach of the year, then I'm not watching the NFL anymore. Well, I mean, he is yeah. phenomenal. And, and I'm always right. I mean, we established that. But there's an 80% chance this team is going to the playoffs. No, we, you know, you're right. It's five weeks in. We don't even change the clocks for like three more weekends, right? So a lot can happen on the injury front and stuff changes, right? Um, it, you, you ride the wave in this league. But like they're winning is, these games while developing an identity. Like I'm glad you mentioned the defense because personnel-wise – you know, they did a really crappy job compared to building the offense. But you can already see yeah. as they go along that the coordinator's doing a better job of getting the most of what he has. Cause that, and that's what coaching is, right? And I will tell you yep. this from Stefanski, two things that stick out to me. One, in the first halves specifically, when they break the huddle and line up, I'm there at the games, and I don't know if they're running or passing. And specifically – That's a big step, people. Yes. <laughs> And specifically on some of the rollouts and one screen to Hooper, I'm watching Dre. I'm watching the ball because I don't know, you know, if, if it's run or pass. And then I see it from the fourth level, the way the guys move, the way they fake block and then get in space and all of these things. And I'm like gasping into my mask like, oh, my God, that's football porn. 
So again, right, it's it got to keep up in this. There, yeah. there's no secrets in this league, and not only do teams copycat you, but they figure out every strength, weakness, audible tendency, tick you Let got. You right? It's an Let ongoing process. Keep, um, keep your keep your thought process. Keep your thought process. I'm going to ask you something. Um, being a new coach, being a first time head coach. Do you think he's taking advantage of being so young and so aware of how to use an iPad tablet and teaching his offense a way that has never been taught before by doing Zoom meetings and not doing so much physical stuff? I know it was a longer training camp, but you didn't have games. I am amazed, Zach, that in five weeks, you're right, his offensive play calling is football porn. And I mean that by the looks that they give, by the misdirection that they give, by the ability to, like you said, almost – the, you know, the, the run by Johnson late, was it a 28-yard run, 38-yard run? Yeah, 28. Like, was yes. set up so, it was set up because and, and, and you don't want to get nerdy about the play call, but they set that up to go around the left side, and there was nobody over there because they knew Indianapolis would load up on the side that they made the strong side. They pull a guard. Like, like to me, those are the little intricate things that if a fan by the fourth quarter and you're at that point, you're biting your fingernails. They're no longer selling your beer. You're trying to figure out how you're getting home, and you're hoping your girlfriend didn't see you or your or your boss didn't see you on TV because you said you weren't going to the game. And so most people aren't quick enough to pick up. That play call was genius to pick up to finish the game off. And and I mean that goes from the first play call all the way to the last phone call. And I guess what I'm asking is, I didn't think I would see this type of intricate play calling and design this early. But obviously, having the youth that they have, and this is my—I'm just grasping at straws. I'm being honest. I think being young as he is, and because I don't know how you do this the way he's done that, and I've watched a lot of football the last two or three weeks. Every team isn't rolling offensively like this. Like I watched Minnesota Seattle Sunday night, which was a phenomenal game. Um, I really like their head coach, but they really—the way they lost that game—just—it it was disgusting because they dominated the yeah. football game, but didn't take care of the little stuff. And they let Russ Wilson put another notch on his tag of being the MVP in the league. Um, but they, you could tell, you could tell that they were, Minnesota was dead set. They were going to run the football no matter what. Their, their lead back goes down the first half. And I love what they did. But you could tell, like when I talk about the intricate little things, Zach, Minnesota didn't have them when they needed it. The Browns have. And I'm just using that as an example and watching other teams play right now. There's a handful that are doing what the Browns are. And I'd say about 20-some of them, they can't catch a rhythm for whatever reason. And I think that goes to Kevin Stefanski putting this offense in. You know, every staff that comes in, and it's every 18 months here, so we know it, right? They all have their little buzzwords (laughs) and other things. But what this comes down to is base principles, right? Urban Meyer is credited with being one of the fathers of the spread offense. But no matter where he was running that offense and who was calling it and what personnel he had, a power play was their base play, Right. The dressing right, up right. was everywhere else. No matter what you do, you you have to do that. And I really think, you know, the Brown, these Browns talk smart, tough, and accountable, and we'll see. And, and in their defense, you never know who are those things until you get through the first year, until you get through a season. And they've reached the stage where you, you're really not going to find out until you have some adversity, until some teams counterpunch you, right? But right. without getting off track, as we've been known to do on this podcast, <laughs> the other thing they said was alignment. And I didn't think about the iPads and the things like that, Dre, but I really think they said, we want smart players. We fully trust in Bill Callahan to teach 
these things a certain way and to drill things a certain way. And we can trust that he'll get the most out of guys like Wyatt Teller and Jedrick Wills, who are still very much figuring things out. And I just think Fancy said, get me some tight ends. And they said, there's this kid named Harrison Bryant. And he's not the biggest and the fastest, but he's smart. And he'll put his hand on the ground and he'll play football. And he said, get me him. Mm -hmm. And they went out before free agency started and they told Austin Hooper's agent, we're going to pay you more than any other team will because he's big and he blocks and he's smart. He went to Stanford. He catches the ball, right? Like all of a sudden this alignment is coming here. And now they don't have Teller. They don't have Nick Chubb. They don't have a prayer on defense most Sundays. Two of their best players offensively, by the way. Yeah, I knew as soon as we started hyping up Teller, I was—I remember I turned, I went and got nachos. I did. I'm just joking. I went to the bathroom, came back, and I'm like, wait a minute, how's Teller out of the game? How does that happen? He was just coming on. Yeah, um, he, you know, and and that's going to be a blow. But when you think about how hard this game is, and just all the time they lost, and how this this is always the time when the good teams start getting good. Like, you know, I don't think they can win Sunday, but I don't, and it certainly is a measuring stick. And this in a way goes against what we always talk because eventually the Browns bus goes through Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Right. Right. But a, I'm not going to be completely shocked if they do win and B, like I'm much more interested in how this team plays on November 18th than October 18th. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this game is huge, and it's huge because, well, it's the Steelers and the Browns. And the beautiful thing of it to me, and I, and I didn't hear what Stefanski said, but I can guess in, in the little that I've heard from him so far in the first two, three months of him being the head coach, he can't talk about Lester because he wasn't here and he's not going to make a big deal about it because it's none of his business. And Mike Tomlin today basically said the same thing. But the teams are so good, we don't have to talk about what some, some raggedy and quarterback said or didn't say to Miles Garrett. And Miles Garrett is so damn good that we don't have to question him and ask him, now I know Mary Kay will ask about it because that's, well, what she does and has to get a headline. And I know somebody else will probably double up on the question with Miles Garrett, and he'll barely say anything. The point is, this week is not about what happened last year on Thursday Night Football. The questions are, the two of the, two of the better teams in AFC, two of the best teams in AFC North, are facing off on Sunday. You know, you've got the big names coming in to watch the game. You know, the, the big CBS crew is doing the game, I believe. It's a real football game that we don't have to show Turkey Jones throwing somebody or Miles Garrett throwing somebody's helmet or, or, or punching somebody yeah. because these two teams are going to be really good. I don't think they're going to win, but it's finally a football game, and we can finally talk about a rivalry and not try to make it up, Zach, and not hope that we only get, you know, a half of good football. I expect this to be a good game for four quarters. I don't think they got a chance in hell in stopping Ben Roethlisberger throwing from that kid from Notre Dame and from Canada because <laughs> he's about to be a star. Um, but I think it's going to be a good game because the Steelers' defense is good. And we finally, I don't know how long we're into this podcast, but I'm going to say it. We're 20 minutes in. And Mr. Commercial, this is the week. If you beat Pittsburgh, you know, that's the thing that Stefanski's right. really done, and we've been really nice about it. Yeah. He's won good games without really getting much from the quarterback position. <laughs> he made him look great in the first half when he didn't go to the Dairy Queen play card that the guy from last year had. But when he had to make plays in the fourth quarter – the Browns got lucky that the defense made good plays, that Miles Garrett forced that safety, because the quarterback was terrible in the second half last week. And the Steelers are going to make him do the same thing. And, and this isn't a kill Baker Bayfield moment. He's winning games. He's not turning the ball over. Well, he did last week. Um, he's got to play better, period, point blank. This ain't hate. This ain't 
me wanting another quarterback. This is none of that other stuff. If he doesn't play better, the conversation we're having certainly right now, yeah. it's going to go the other way because, it, because as you said, I'm not worried about, you know, October 15th. I'm worried about November 15th. And if he keeps playing this way, you're going to be an 8-8 eight and eight team and you should be 12 or 10 right. game winner. Why are we saying, why are we stressing, enjoy this and look at the overall growth? Because the vibes and the Twitter streets on the radio and talking with your friends who wear the jerseys and <laughs> been so excited for so long only to come home pissed off every Sunday night, it could be totally different next Monday morning. Could be, right? No doubt. Uh, the Browns have won no one doubt. time. Heinz Field opened in 2001. The Browns have won one time there. This is one of maybe four or five times that we're sitting here telling you to have a chance. That's progress. <laughs> I mean, that's no shit, right? Like, that's progress. I, I know. It is. And, and here, let me break down Baker. Because um, I'm doing this the right way. I don't know if it's his height or not, Zach. I'm going to talk real slow. Because um, it's easy to go the way of calling him a name. Oh, he's short. But that's, that's bullshit. I, you know, I watched Drew Brees last night stand in the pocket. For whatever reason, he's comfortable in the pocket. He's 50 years old. His arm is about as good as mine. And he takes a couple of extra pats to get it all the way down the field when he has to. But he stands in that pocket and finds his windows. Um, Zach, for whatever reason, a guy that was so accurate throughout college, and for the most part his first year when he, when he came off the field and busted ass against bad teams, his, his inaccuracy in the high passes, he could have been picked off four or five times last Sunday. Um, his inaccuracy was what worries me more than anything else. And I don't, you know, last year, we, you could see his footwork was bad. Um, you could see that he wasn't comfortable. And, and, you know, and I asked this question to Gerard Cherry because Gerard, and I'm asking you, and I'll ask anybody else out there, let's be fair and let's talk like men and not call names. And I'm going to ask you this. And I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this before the podcast. That's why I always like doing this. How long do you give him? And I don't have the answer. I'm not talking shit. I'm asking. How long do we watch Baker Mayfield make the same mistakes over and over and over like, and say he's still got time to grow, he's still getting used to a new offense, he's in his fourth offense in three years? All of those are legitimate. I'm not making excuses. They're all legitimate. How long do we say that? And or sooner or later do we finally say, this is just Baker Mayfield? This season? I mean, they've, sur- okay. they've done a, a wonderful job of surrounding him, right? Like, this is the evaluation season as they grow, and this is a huge evaluation game, no doubt, because we know what, what the Steelers' defense has. And they got gashed last week. I haven't had a chance to go back and watch it closely yet or study the numbers. I know at least once they got caught blitzing, and I know if Travis yeah. Fulg- Fulgham or Fulham, whatever his name is, Quite frankly, he played at Old Dominion. The only reason I know him is because he was cut so many times. You see him on the daily transaction sheet, frankly. Um, If he can go for 150 on the Steelers, then Odell can go for 150 on the Steelers. So I I don't know what their issues are now. I do know that if the Browns don't take care of the ball and don't win the turnover battle and put the quarterback in the spots, the TJ Watt and those guys can make it a real, real, real long day. And – we know how last year's game ended. Well, the Browns got the lead, and then Duck Hodges threw over top of them. But at the end of the game, when they needed a stop, Baker looked real small, right? And they threw a pick over the middle, and that's how the game ended. Uh, yeah, um, I'm glad you brought up. 
I'm glad we're already breaking this down. I'm excited. And I'm glad you answered the Baker Mayfield question the way you did. My question is, I'm going to make you go more in depth because you said this year. Well, let's say let, this is a hypothetical since you want to be playoff guy. And I saw you slip it into your story and I almost texted you. Just facts. Day, all I do, all I do is share the facts. Oh, yes. listen to you. 74% <laughs> of the teams, I had some Rizzo drop that on me on the Rizzo show Sunday night too. And I was like, oh, you've been listening too, huh? Um, <laughs> I definitely um, go to bed before that shit comes you on. Go- <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even know what day it was. I, I thank God we recorded it right after this is the game. Um, let's say you go into December. I don't have a schedule in front of me. I, I used to know the schedule by heart, but now I'm trying to teach my kids and we're not even at home and that's all another world. Um, let's say you're going into December. And because the AFC North is the AFC North, Zach, and, you know, every win is going to be huge, whether you're going to, you know, with the, I know the playoffs are expanded. And let's say that you're still, let's say the second half of that Colts game happens three or four more times over the next month, month and a half. And you're going into a stretch drive, and that's still what you're getting. Well, what do you do? Well, they have options. But, I mean, what you're saying, Dre, is out there. This team finishes the season at Tennessee, home versus Baltimore, Jets and Giants back-to-back on the road, and home versus Pittsburgh. We're going to see it all. It's going to be there. Something's going to yeah. be at stake. There, I guess there's a chance they could already have 10 wins and didn't win the division, and Week 17 won't really mean anything. And there's certainly a chance that they have to wait for Week 18 because Week 14 doesn't happen for some COVID reason, right? <laughs> like, the right. NFL changed right. 12 games last week, and, and the Browns were not affected None of their near opponents have been directly affected because they don't play Tennessee till December. But, like, all these things you're saying that are true and they're out there, like, we're going to find out what they did, what Andrew Barry did and what Stefanski is did and is doing is they are supporting the hell out of Baker with the players around him, with Case Keenum in his ear seven days a week, right, with real adults coaching mm-hmm. in a game plan that is well thought out and stuck to. But while they're doing all that supporting, they're doing evaluation. And they feel it's the fairest, fullest evaluation they can get. And right now, yeah, he's not been good enough. They've won, and that matters. And four stretches, I thought the first half he played his best game. There were still some points left out there, some throws left out there. And for everybody that says Jarvis never drops those late, you're right. But Odell also made a human catch on a ball thrown, an inhuman catch on a ball thrown way behind. Him. Oh my god! <laughs> right. I mean, Odell and Terrell Owens are the only two guys in the world this. that would catch that ball. Yeah. Let me say this real quick because I call him Aubrey usually. Hollywood. Yes. Way to get in there and take advantage of your situation. That's a sign of a good team. You wrote about it today. I yeah. haven't read the story all the way, but I'll give them credit. Guys that weren't starters, guys that weren't playing, guys that were sitting at the end of the bench, rather than bitching and moaning and have to listen to the radio. And I actually had a guy call me last week. He's like, why ain't Hollywood playing? I'm like, dude, can you tell me how many how many tight ends and fullbacks and running backs they have on the active roster every week? And he just – he didn't know the answer. And I go, well, dude, they don't run – I mean, how many three receiver sets do you see? My point is – and they must like people's Jones, who just asked to me so far. Um, I give Hollywood credit. He had a couple of good blocks on the outside, yes. which you have to have if you're going to be a running football team. Yes. And then he comes up with the touchdown and he did the dance that, you know, how many, I guess with your nickname's Hollywood, you get your own like touchdown dance. Motherfucker, you ain't played in two years, but whatever. Well, you know, Najoku has his own touchdown walk, dance walk, too. Walk. When you play for the, when you played for the Browns in 2016 and 17, you get your own touchdown dance. <laughs> that's part of the deal. That's but the that's answer. A, but that's the right? sign of a good team. 
And I didn't even read your article all the way today, but that's part of being a good team. Good teams have guys on the bench that fit in when it's time to fit in, right? Yes. They don't fit out a LeBron, Kevin, Kevin, uh, <laughs> Kevin Love conversation. It's true. I mean, when you see Redwine come in for one snap and make one of the biggest plays of the game, either you're really lucky and it's, or it's 2020 or you're finally putting a roster together that plays well off of each other. And, and you're keeping your question? guys ready, the coaching, the maturity, right? Yes. Like, yes. This is where Can winning matters. No, no, I do want to say this. Wait, wait, wait. I, I didn't want to make sure. Wait, this. wait, let me ask you something. Okay. What's up with Redwine? Why is he not playing more? I don't think he's very good. I think he's just fast. Okay. 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 I'm just asking because, and I know he's a, a big pick of our last. Uh, yeah. I mean, anybody from Miami, Florida, I know why we drafted. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I want to say this about well, all he, those guys. I don't know. Too. Okay. That's all I was curious about. Um, okay. Even though some of you guys vehemently defended it, right? You see, you also see the difference when your front office's goal is to acquire good players because there was a two-year period where they didn't, and you guys were all for it. Well, Dorsey came in and they changed. They, you know, they they got over the hump on talent, and they've done a good job. And so guys have stayed ready. But I truly believe this, Dre. Any level, any sport, when you're winning and when guys know that you're getting better, that you're doing the right things. They play with a level of confidence, and the readiness seeps through the whole locker room. The next guy wants to go in. The next guy's been coached to yeah. be ready. A mature team has that engagement level during the week. Chris Hubbard had never played guard in an NFL game and said he got one rep last week. One rep in practice. That's amazing. And we know coaches amazing. sweat every detail of every practice every week of the year. Right? So, right. like, that's the sign that you're building something when guys are staying ready. And Phil Rivers gifted that to Redwine. He didn't he should have never thrown that in a million years, but Redwine made the play. He made the play and the game was over. Well, um the game should have, you know, the yeah. safety okay, changed well, everything. But the Colts are closing in on Johnson. He gets to the outside, Higgins makes the block, the game is over. Like little things matter. Yes. Yes. Okay. Let's take a pause in this real quick. You brought up Philip Rivers I want to have this conversation. I read it last night, and I read this, and I was like, this is a conversation we should have on A to Z. Um, I think both of us would agree, before I start going through this, that we both think Phillip Rivers is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Am I wrong in saying that? No, he, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, yeah. Okay, okay. And I would tend to agree with you. Um, but let's, let's go through this for, for a minute. Um, he's never – all right, I got to read this off this story. Um, he's completed more than 5,000 passes. That's fifth all time. He's got more than 60,000 yards. That's sixth all time. He's been on for more than 400 touchdown passes. That's sixth all time. But he's never been to a Super Bowl. Only two of the 19 Hall of Fame quarterbacks in the Super Bowl era never played in one. Dan Fouts and Warren Moon. I would take Fouts and Warren Moon over him right now. Um, He's also never been first or second team all pro or first team all conference or offensive player of the year, anything like that. Now, or, you know where I'm getting at with this. Mm -hmm. Like Carson Wentz has made an all pro team. Matt Ryan has made an all pro team. Carson Palmer, Cam Newton. They've all made all, and, and all pro isn't all everything. I guess what I'm saying is when we, and he is going to go into camp. And the sad thing is, and I'm doing this and I'll admit it. 
I'm judging him off of what I've seen the last four years, and that's not fair. That's not, because he, he did have a great run in San Diego. The year that he, he played in the AFC Championship game with his ACL blown out, and they should have beat New England that way. Like, they, he should have been to a Super Bowl, and they had a great run when LT was there and everything else. I'll give him his flowers. I just, he's been a hard watch the last four years, Zach, and suddenly I feel like we're saying he's a Hall of Famer because we're making it a longevity award, not one of the best I've ever seen awards. Is that fair? Well, two quick points. One, he was very good to the Browns last week, and two, he'll be very good to the economy when he does go in because his his he has enough kids that they'll take up a whole hotel in Canton, so that'll be great. <laughs> um, you raise a good point, and there is a chance that he is more worthy of the Hall of Very Good than the Hall of Fame based on what he's done. Yeah. But the precedent is there, Drake. Yeah. To me, there is a no-doubter. To, to, to I play for as long as he had, post those numbers. You know, you're right. The, the Chargers did did not ever get over that hump, but they were the number one seed at least one year. They lost to the Patriots, remember. It was a huge upset. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. That, got, that was a long time then you ago. had the year he blew his knee out. I mean, when, when you just look at the guys <laughs> that made it, you're, the Super Bowl thing stands out. When you say two of 19, that jumps out. That's the case against him. Maybe he won't be a first ballot, but I would say based on precedent – and based on those numbers, I'll be shocked if he doesn't get in. I will be shocked as well. It's just – it's one of those cases that will be fun to talk – here, I'll put it this way. Um, I put down the whole process of how we do the NFL Hall of Fame. I feel like there should be more voices, more rooms. A guy like Doug Deacon's voice should be heard. Um, I feel there's a lot of guys like Doug Deacon that are around that you could find guys that – whether they want to color or analysts or just, just football guys. Nothing against writers. I just feel like we should have a, a, a more of a variety of guys. Can, can I get my this thought on that? I'm not saying that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, um, I absolutely believe that you're right. I believe guys already in the Hall of Fame, like four to six of them, should be on the committee, and that they should rotate every two to three years, just like the writers. There should be term limits on on the writers too, because if you if you have an agenda or you worked in a certain city or cities your whole career. And those cities happen to have good teams for great runs, the dynasties, right? And, and the whole rub with the Hall of Fame is that if you play on great teams and you play in big games, then then you stand out above the crowd, right? Both to the public and inside. Right, right. But there absolutely should be more variety and fresh voices in the process, 100%. Yeah. And I, I would just like to be in the room when the conversation comes up about him being a Hall of Famer. Like I said, I'm not saying he isn't. I just don't see him as one of the greatest. And, like, okay, maybe he's not a first ballot. And I, but I, it's just frustrating. Uh, and like I said, I am judging him a lot over what I've seen the last three seasons. And that's not fair because he's played since I was in, in college damn near. <laughs> we can go back to the regular You, you know, him and Ben were in the same draft. I like where the Browns are at. I got to ask you. Go ahead. Him and Ben were in the same draft. Yeah, right. <laughs> and Ben, to me, has been ben – him and Ben's been – and Eli. Eli, yeah. Eli just walked away a year ago. Those are the first three quarterbacks in that draft. Was that 04? 04. I think it was 04. Yeah, it was 04. Yeah. yeah. The Browns amazing. took Kellen instead of Ben. That's the same draft as Kellen. Yeah. yeah. Kellen's in prison. And I can't make no more jokes about that. Um, I'm not going there. Um, and Lord knows I could. Uh, I just lost my train of thought. Damn it. <laughs> all right. Um, Speaking of quarterbacks, damn it, damn I got. No, all right. I, I, we got ten minutes left okay. of battery on this computer. Long story. I don't have the. I don't have the power cord. <laughs> Speaking of quarterbacks, oh Jesus. Um, the Redskins bench. This. I'm glad you brought that up because I want to ask just a philosophical question. 
Because this might apply to the Browns. Yes. It certainly applied. The Redskins benched Dwayne Haskins, and they should have, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't know what's going to happen yeah. there, but more likely than not, they're going to finish with a really bad record and in the offseason have a chance to draft a quarterback or or find one elsewhere. Stop. They're, right? Wait, 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 wait. I'll go with this, but I'll stop for a second. They think they're they're in the NFC least. They're trying to make a run in the NFC least and get in the playoffs. If they if Dallas or the Giants or Dallas whoever if somebody Dallas or Philadelphia runs away with that division and they get three or four games down, they'll go back to Haskins. Continue on. Right. So here's my question. You know, he was a one year wonder. He was really young. Um, and and you know he wasn't great at a blue chip. I mean, didn't they get him at like seventeen overall? Right. So yeah, yeah. here's my question. Even if he flops, right, even if he's not good enough, whether he gets, like you said, five more games or one more year or no more years, and it seems like the likely path is he gets traded for like a six, right, and goes and sits as someone's backup. Given the importance of the position, even if he flops, does that mean that was a terrible pick? No, because it's the most important, and I'm going to answer quick. Because in my mind, it's the most important position in football, as we know. And anytime you get a chance to get lucky and get one that has the talent to be a first-round pick, um, and you don't have to give up half of your draft to get him, I think you bring him in. Now, the hometown factor was probably part of it. The owner being a complete numbskull was probably part of it. Um, but, no, I, would, I wouldn't say that's wrong. And I believe, like I said, their situation is different. Because the NFC East is so bad, and they saw where they're, who they were playing over the next three four weeks, they wanted to go to a quarterback who knew the offense better than them, and I think that's fair. Um, he's going to get another, he's going to get more snaps in Washington because they're bad. Um, but it, you make a great point. I mean, look at that whole division, Zach. I mean, is Daniel Jones any good? Andy Dalton's going back to the playoffs. Stop! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And hey, shout out to Dak Prescott. What happened to him? That's horrible. And if, if Mr. Jones, Jerry Jones, if you want to have any semblance of being a halfway decent human being. Do something that's completely out of character and just give that guy like a three-year contract worth like $90 million and just do it because it's the right thing to do, but not because I, – and I don't even know – I mean, that just – that was horrible, man. That took the air out of Sunday, what happened to Dak Prescott. It really did. Um, all right, here's my question. I, who, remember the quarterback I liked when Baker came out? My favorite quarterback, Frenchie? You, you, went, you <laughs> yes. went to California to talk about it. Yes, Sam Darnold. Yes. Frenchie's still good, but – but yeah, but look what they're doing to Sam Darnold. They're hurting my boy. Sam can play. What's going to happen? All right. So Trevor Lawrence is the key piece we think to come in in April, right? And so we think Lawrence and our boy down at Ohio State, Justin Fields. I'm going to ask you a hypothetical. You tell me, Zach Jackson, what do you do if you're the New York Football Giants or Jets or you're uh, Washington and you're in the top two? Do you take Lawrence or Fields, even though you already have a young quarterback you're trying to develop? It's kind of the reason I asked the philosophical question, just to throw it out <laughs> now because we're going to pursue it. Like we can, we know that in rare cases, do guys get the required patience, right? Because they go to bad organizations, they get mm-hmm. not the right coaching. Teams, t- coaches have to win now to try to save their asses, and in many times those organizations were already rotten to the core to start. The cockpit. You've been saying it since Phil Savage said it 15 mm-hmm. years ago. The cockpit is not right for him. <laughs> right? Um, no. Right. But 
given that spot, if you're in that position and you grade Lawrence or Fields, and I think Fields is going to come out and play incredibly well. If you grade one of those two guys as out of this world and you have the one or two pick, I think it's a no-brainer. I mean, just on the surface. We don't know the situation. We know who will be drafting for the Jets because they're going to fire Gase. They're not going to fire their GM. They just hired him a year ago. If it's the Giants, can they stick with Dave Gettleman? They should fire whoever hired Gase. Oh, yeah, gentlemen, gotta go. <laughs> well, right. So, you know, that's that is that is the question because you got to have it. And, and and look, that's what we're weighing here. Yeah. Um. I don't think Baker Mayfield is the same species as the top quarterbacks in the league. I, I, I said that two years ago. I've said it now. Um. You guys know that. Yeah. However, that does not mean that the Browns can't win a lot of games with Baker Mayfield. And we are too right. early. No doubt. In the Browns' process and his process to know if a lot of games means one playoff appearance, three playoff appearances, get to the AFC. I mean, Ryan Tannehill was ditched by his first team, played in the AFC Championship game last year. True. Right? True, true, true. Alex Smith was dismissed by everyone, taken as a Mm. 20-year-old, and then like nine years into his career got to the Super Bowl. But only when he was on the bench. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Like... You know, I went to another right, team right, and they right, went thirteen right. and three for like three out of four years and never got to the Super Bowl, right? So, you hey, just what, don't. What about know. Jimmy Garoppolo? Is he? In, is yeah. you don't know. What about Jimmy Garoppolo? Right. We were we were singing the praises of him a year ago, and I know he's hurt, but he looked really bad last week, and he didn't look great in the Super Bowl. And their question and Shanahan, as we know, a lot like Stefanski, very smart, can put his players in the right position, can make an average guy look a little above average. Because he doesn't put them in bad situations, that's what good, great coaches do. Suddenly now they need to win. They're all banged up, and Garoppolo looks terrible. Is he a great quarterback? I do not know. By the way, we did have a texter, or we have a tweeter, that wanted me to ask you why why Redwine wasn't playing over Sandejo. I think you kind of said it. You think that Redwine is just a speed guy. I'm going through everything because I know the battery is about to go out on you because you're a five-year-old when it comes to remembering things. Um, we still have to do this. We may have to do it this week. I'm on vacation currently right now. Um, shout out to my family. Uh, we, we've left Ohio for a little while. We'll be back. Uh, we're by a beach. It's not hot, but we had to get away. Um, shout out to the King of Akron. We need to do a podcast about this. Yeah. Four championships for Le- LeBron, Ramon, James of Akron, Ohio. And I tweeted this, and I'm sticking by it. You guys can hate. You can fight all you want. I'm not getting in the fight. He goes down as one of the greatest of all time. You don't got to like it. It's just the goddamn truth. Um, hey, I read on Twitter I that nobody was watching. Ah, stop it. Well, of course not. It's 2020. Why have those fights? Who cares? We need to have it. We need that. You know what? We need to do a tweet about the NBA bubble now that it's over. And maybe we get your athletic guys. We get our boy Joe, Joe Varden from The Athletic. We should do that to talk about the bubble. He was in the bubble at the beginning of the bubble. Um, We need to do that. We need to talk about LeBron and what they came out with. We also, we need to hit on, there's a couple things I need to hit on with you. uh, And that's probably a good thing. We haven't talked about the baseball bubble that's going on right now. Uh, but I'm going to ask you this as we get ready. Hey, it's Tuesday night, and I'm about to watch football again. I kind of like it. The NFL yeah. has become the fucking Mac in 2020. Um, <clears throat> are we going to see 16 games played by all 32 teams? Uh, I can't say yes with any confidence. <laughs> no. Right? You can't. I mean, you can't. You know, I understand why they don't want to get to a situation where they just have to delay everything for a week or two. Cause I understand how you could make the case that that doesn't make it anything better, but we've seen this round of schedule changes. We've seen, 
um, crazy situations. 23 Titans coaches and players, right? Wasn't that the number somewhere close to that? Right. And now they're playing on a Tuesday night. First time in a decade there's been a Tuesday night game. Um, it's it's a scary situation. Another Falcons player tested positive today. I don't even know his name, let him know, know anything about him. However, this is the concern going forward. Bad teams, guys let their guard down, right? Yep. Guys are yep. more yep. willing to venture out when they've been told and begged and pleaded with not to. As the season goes along, right? And, and right now, I look at the NFL and I see a lot of good teams and a lot of really, <laughs> really awful yeah. teams. Well, how are you gonna, like how, like in Atlanta? How are you gonna keep guys in place? You just fired the coach, you fired, and and like the two firings that we've already had this season. And I said this on our last podcast, and I hope we do another one this week to talk NBA, to talk everything but football and a little bit maybe a preview. The two guys that were fired already this year should have been fired years ago. What does that tell you about NFL owners? And, and it just like the whole thought process. The, the, the Falcons haven't been the same since they gave up that lead to the New England Patriots two Super Bowls ago. Like, what, what, are, we, what are we doing? Right. Like, why are you wasting the time? Why are you, like, it's, what are we doing? Just wasting freaking time and players. So now Matt Ryan, and like you talk about quarterback. Is Matt Ryan a top 10 quarterback? I think most people for the last eight years would say yes. I, you know, he's right on the line, give or take, right? Now, what have you done? Now you've lost probably the best years of his career because all you could do, all you did well was draft him and Julio Jones, and you were so close to winning, and you hang, hung on to that for too long. Now you're in the abyss. Congrats. It's interesting. Um, the line is fine, you know. Um, the teams that have the quarterbacks are the ones that consistently have a chance. You don't have to. We, we've seen that you do not have to have that A-list quarterback to win your division or to advance through January. But in building to beat those guys and seeing who's going to be there, because they're all really young. I mean, Russ Wilson was during the 2012 draft. So we didn't, so, so Russ is probably 30, 31, right? Mahomes is 24 years old. You know, that's crazy. Lamar Jackson's 23 or 24 years old. Um, ben and Rivers still doing it. Crazy, crazy. Um, Aaron Rodgers was what the 05 draft, so he's not far behind. Yeah. Them. Um, you know, All we've, amazing to me. Hey, really amazing. One last thought: like, once the Saints get Michael Thomas back, if Michael Thomas is right in this headspace, like, and they play inside. Breeze does not look the same. He does not, not look like confident, you, but I'm not ruling those guys out. No, not at all. But they do have some issues. But look, in that division and who they are, um, yeah, I mean, did I really read something that they want to play their games at LSU so they can have fans? Man, I hope we get this NFL season over with. <laughs> like, in a, in a positive way, by the way. <laughs> like, what are we doing? What are we doing? All right. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thanks to Scene, to Honeymoon Grill, to American Fireworks. Thanks to all of you guys for tweeting, for reading. Subscribe to The Athletic if you haven't. Dre, you said you're on Red Zone Thursday night? Yeah, Red Zone Thursday night. I'll be back in town. We'll do that from 8 to 10 on Sports Time Ohio. I may try to get Zach in there on some, at some point in time on Thursday uh, to continue this conversation. Also, shout out to the athletic. I think you guys have like a, a birthday or some something that just came up. Was it three years now or whatever else? Um, whatever that is, but congratulations to the athletic. 
congratulations once again to J.R. Smith, uh, Dion Waiters, who went from doing doing uh, gummies on a plane in Miami and thinking he was hallucinating and dying to stealing a ring with the with the Lakers. That's 2020 in a nutshell. Paul Hardy, Waiters. That's how you do it, Jr. Take that shirt off and swing it around your head like a helicopter. I didn't see a second of the deciding game because it tipped off right as the Browns game ended, and I was writing, I was podcasting, and I was driving home. The moment I got home, Dre, I put my phone on the charger, I put my stuff away, I took my shoes off, I came back to the phone, and the very first video I saw when I opened Twitter was a shirtless JR dancing. And I said, that looks familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, I know nobody was watching or nobody cares, supposedly, is what people say. But that was a really cool moment. Uh, it, it really was. And, and the Anthony Davis part is cool to me. That's why I really want to have a conversation about basketball and where it's at. I mean, I think college basketball is going to start in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, in a month, hopefully. Um, and the Anthony Davis story is a great one. And I don't think a lot of people totally get or know it or have it. Um, we've made the joke before. I used to do the Gary Waters show when he was the coach of the Cleveland State Vikings. And when I was doing that show and Gary Waters was talking to me every week, he had a recruit sign from Chicago. It was a junior. It was a guard, a little guard that had a long eyebrow that was coming to Cleveland State. And then the kid grew like nine inches in one summer and became the Anthony Davis we see now. And I thought LeBron had a great quote at the end of the game and everything else when he talked about after seven years in Cleveland, and he had no one to push him anymore. He had no one to motivate him anymore. He wanted to get over the top. He was frustrated and didn't know how to get there. And he had to go to Miami and get pushed by guys like Dwayne Wade. He didn't say Pat Riley's name, but it was obvious. Pat Riley played a huge part in teaching them how to be a champion. And he wanted to do that for Anthony Davis. I know we don't like every quote from every athlete. And I know we scoff at everything that we hear from athletes nowadays because no one's perfect. And we can read their Twitter feeds. And we know when they, can, when they actually do the tweets and when they don't because the grammar is all messed up and people like that go out of their way to make sure you know it is. But I thought that was one of the most genuine quotes that you'll hear from LeBron. And, get, and to me, it's what really any profession is about, Zach. I like to think that like guys like Michael Lee, who's leaving the athletic and going back to the Washington post guys like you guys like James Walker, you guys have been great in a big part of my career. And guys like Tom Reed, we've said that you guys have been a huge part of my career. And there's others I could say, um, because you guys are good. So you've pushed me and I want to be better. And I hope there's guys around the country or people around Cleveland or Akron that, that feel like they've seen me do something and I help make them better. I thought it was cool for LeBron to kind of say, I, you know, I wanted Anthony Davis here because I wanted to push him to be a champion and to help him be better because of what guys did for me. And that's what this is all about, giving back what, we, what we've learned to someone else. I know it's corn, but in 2020, we need to hear shit like that. Very well said, and I'll leave you guys with one thought of my own. Whatever Kentucky paid for Anthony Davis, it was not enough. Talk to you soon.